The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father Will you bow, will you surrender To His majesty He can save you from the might of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm 
while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from all your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm When I say to a wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not warn him or speak out to dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life, that wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man and he does turn from his wickedness, or from his evil ways. He will die for his sins, but you will have saved yourself. Verse 19, But if you do not warn the wicked man, and he does not turn from his wickedness, or from his evil ways, he will die for his sin, but you will have saved yourself. Ezekiel, the third chapter, beginning in verse 20. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and does evil, and I put a stumbling block before him, he will die. Since you did not warn him, he will die for his sin. The righteous things he did will not be remembered and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the righteous man not to sin, and he does not sin, he will surely live, because he took warning, and you will have saved yourself. Ezekiel, the third chapter. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I have a very sober word for you today. It is not one I'm eager to share, but one I am compelled to share. It is what the Holy Spirit is saying to me, and this is not from Ray Greenley. It is the word of the Lord. I listened to a preacher of a mega church just recently. He spoke saying, you cannot lose your salvation or we would all lose our salvation. Smilingly, he went on saying, our salvation is not dependent in any way on our obedience to Jesus. 
Our salvation is dependent on Jesus giving us his perfection. And when you accept his perfection, you cannot lose it. He went on to say there was a friend of his, a pastor, and that pastor was having more and more anxiety as he pastored his large congregation. And so to alleviate his anxiety, he began to take some drugs. And it continued, and he got deeper and deeper into drug abuse. Finally, dying of an overdose. He then, this pastor, asked the question, Will this pastor lose his salvation? And he very quickly affirmed, No, he has not lost his salvation, or we would all lose our salvation. Obviously, this man died in wickedness. Now, as we read the scripture, first in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel, the third chapter, it's very clear that a righteous man who turns from his righteousness and does evil, he will die. That is, he will go to hell. Now, we don't like that. But please, may I say to you, Jesus is not a humanist. This is not a situation where we do our best and that's good enough. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of humanism. And it is the gospel of the American church. And it is a false gospel. The American church has shown extreme contempt for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And especially, American pastors have shown contempt for Jesus. And this contempt for Jesus centers around the issue of, can a man lose his salvation? Can a man walk in wickedness and be saved? Now, of course, when we begin to speak about the specific sins of a man, we say, oh, don't judge him. Be tolerant. We don't know his heart. No, I don't know this man's heart. But I know that Jesus says that the fruit of a man reveals what is in his heart. And this man this pastor who died of an overdose revealed in his actions what was hidden in his heart. So don't say to me, pastor, don't judge this man and don't judge a sinner. No, the Bible says confront a sinner with his, with his sin. And if he turns away from his sin, he will be saved. And you also will be saved. Now, I know this is going to be uncomfortable, but as Americans, we don't like to confront anybody about anything. We all want to smile and be tolerant, and we all want to get along. You don't want to confront your children. You don't want to confront your mom or your dad. 
You don't want to confront a workmate. You don't want to confront your pastor. If we don't confront when sin is plain, we will be responsible if that man dies in his sin. And he will die in his sin if he does not turn aside from it. Now, you say to me, but pastor, that's just Old Testament. We don't go by the Old Testament. No, I think Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus does not change. Now, I want to share with you several passages of Scripture that are terrifying on this issue. The first is found in Romans, the first chapter. Romans, the first chapter. I'm going to begin in verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain. What has he made plain? That a sinner will die and be placed in hell at the great judgment. The Apostle Paul, in introducing the first chapter of the book of Romans, is being very clear with us. Very clear with us that God's wrath is being built up against any man or any woman, any boy or girl, who walks in rebellion and sin against Jesus. What is contempt? Contempt is when I don't take seriously another person. People have often been very contemptuous of me. Why? Because they don't like what I'm saying. And so they simply dismiss me and dismiss this message. When men and women dismiss a straight word from God, they are being contemptuous of Jesus. And if there is anything Jesus hates that brings his wrath against a person or a church or a pastor, it is being contemptuous of the word of God and pretending that it says something that it doesn't in order to be a pleasant humanist. Most Christian pastors in America today are simply humanists. Feel good, get along, don't rock the boat. Everybody's loved. Love, 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 love. Everybody's loved and everybody's going to heaven Universalism, it's the old wickedness rearing its head with a different mask on. Verse 21, this is Romans 1, verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts 
to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Now he goes on and describes in detail the wickedness that flows out of a man's heart who has exchanged the truth of God for a lie. The American church has exchanged the truth of God for a lie. This last Sunday morning, I listened to a nationally known pastor as he began to speak to his congregation, and everything he said was a lie. But people loved it. They clapped. They stood up. They applauded, standing ovations as he petted them. Oh, you're wonderful. You're a wonderful congregation. I love you all. No, they're not a wonderful congregation. They are a deceived congregation. And this pastor is so contemptuous of God's holiness that he has no understanding of the true word of God. He has not glorified God. He has been contemptuous. Now you say, Pastor, do you have any other scriptures? Yes, I have a lot of other scriptures. Let me read this one for you from Romans, the sixth chapter, verses one through eight. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And this pastor that I told you about at the beginning of the broadcast said, absolutely, you can go on sinning. And the grace of God covers you, and grace is a blanket. And when God looks at you, he won't see you. He'll see only Jesus. Paul says, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through the baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we certainly also will be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. And in the Greek, the word is for destroyed. Now this pastor may have been saved at one point, but when he OD'd on drugs, we see a very clear resulting fruit from a life that has not been crucified with Christ, that has rejected Jesus Christ while continuing on in his religion. And many, many today, and you may be one, who are treating God with great contempt because you think he's a wonderful humanist. He is not. God's ways are not our ways. We want to pity. We want to pat on the head and say, oh, no, 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 you're saved. How many times have I heard pastors preach funeral sermons 
and preach a sinner straight into heaven with, oh, he loved the Lord. No, he did not love the Lord if he has not been crucified with Christ. Now, this sounds hard, but it's not hard. It's the way of life. It's very clear that our old self is to be crucified with him and the body of sin done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. If you have not been freed from sin, if you keep going back to your sin, then you have not died with Christ. You have not been born again. Or if you were born again, you deserted Jesus and you went back to the lust of your heart and you cannot be saved in that condition. The only person who can be saved is the person who has been crucified with Christ, who has died to sin, and who continues to walk in righteousness. Or that word righteousness in the Greek simply means complete innocence. Now in chapter 8 of the book of Romans, we find another key to this issue. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, let me pause. A man or a woman walking in lust, pornography, fornication, bitterness and anger, any person who is walking in the wickedness of this world and loving the things of this world there is condemnation for them. And they are not in Christ Jesus. I said on Monday, we must become very real and must look very carefully at how we walk with Jesus. This is not fantasy time. This is not This is not a time to relax and lay back and say, I'm good to go. While you continue to walk with contempt toward Jesus. Now, I've struggled with one area of contempt in my life, and I am fasting and praying. And God is totally overturning this. Let me explain. I found myself being increasingly casual in my searching of the scriptures and in my prayer life. I found I know the theology. I'm living a clean life. I have no known sin in my heart. But with contempt toward Jesus, what do I mean? Not valuing him as I should value him. And I began to pray about this issue. And I'll tell you what he did. And I'm very grateful. I pray he will do the same for you. I was praying. 
and I was fasting. And I suddenly, in my spirit, saw a very clear graphic picture. And the picture was of Jesus being tied at the wrist, being stretched out, and being whipped by Roman soldiers. I saw his flesh tear. I saw the blood begin to flow. I heard the crack of the whip. And I began to weep. It was a horrendous, terrifying sight. No one came to his rescue. No one said, stop. As I watched this unfold in my heart and my mind and my spirit, I saw the demons laughing. And I heard the cries of Jesus in the anguish and pain of that severe, life-threatening beating as the flesh was torn off and the whip circling around his ribs. I don't know if they broke them, but I know it was a horrible thing to watch. And then it continued. I watched as they put a cross on his back. I watched as he stumbled under that heavy load after he had been so severely beaten. I heard the crowds shouting and jeering at Jesus. My heart was stirred. I watched as they brought him to Golgotha. I watched as they threw him to the ground. Simon carrying his cross. First they threw the cross to the ground, and then they threw Jesus on the cross. And quickly, efficiently, pulled his arms into place. And I heard the blows of the hammer as they struck that cruel nail into his flesh. And then nailing his feet, picking the cross up and dropping it into that hole prepared for it, ripping his flesh. I watched and I wept. And then I saw the darkness come over the face of the earth. I heard him cry, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then I heard him cry, It is finished. And he died on that cross. The Christian faith is not about an intellectual understanding of the gospel. And it certainly is not about a cheapening of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is not about contempt for Jesus, death, and shedding of blood on that cross. I was deeply moved by what I saw. I've never seen anything like it before. 
It was ugly, but it was, it was for me. It was for you. But I have treated Jesus casually. In reading of the scriptures, casually. Fitting it in around many other things. I will not do that again. I am seeking Jesus with all of my heart and with all of my soul. And I'm seeking how to know on this broadcast how to speak to you in such a way that you are confronted in your casual contempt for Jesus Christ. Where you fit him in to all of your television or YouTube, or you fit him in to all of your entertainment, or you fit him in to your work, or you fit him in to your life, your relationships. But he's not first. First is yourself. And you treat him with contempt, disdain, with a lack of seriousness and a lack of commitment. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Is your mind set today on what the Holy Spirit desires? Or is it set on all of the agendas of your life that are idols before you and before Jesus? The sinful mind is hostile to God. I could easily translate that. The mind is set on the flesh, on our stomach, on our vegging out. Our mind is hostile to God. Our mind, when we are in the flesh, is in hatred toward Jesus. And that hatred is expressed in casual contempt. Because we don't take seriously what Jesus did on the cross. So these preachers who come along and say, When God looks at you, he doesn't see you, he just sees Jesus. They are treating the blood of Jesus with utter contempt. And they are in grave danger of losing their salvation. There is yet a period of probation. But many of these pastors will end up in hell. And they will say, Lord, I started a a great church. I did all of these ministries for the homeless, and I did it for these people. And it it was a wonderful church ministry. And he'll say, depart from me. I don't know you, you worker of iniquity, you evil man. Why evil? Because they never allowed the sinful man of their heart to be crucified. They were just wonderful entrepreneurs in the body of Christ but they did not speak the truth. Verse 8, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. 
You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, and I add sisters, we have an obligation. But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Read all of Romans 6 and 8. Hear what the Lord wants to say to you. This issue of contempt is so huge. We don't want to sacrifice our time, our energy. You'd rather sit at home and watch on the television or on the on the computer a worship service. You don't want to be bothered to have to go there and dress and go there and talk to people. No, you don't want to do that. That's too inconvenient for you. You you want to stay home. Have some nice breakfast. You're contemptuous of Jesus. The Lord said in his word, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves, one with another, even more as you see the time is, is coming. Can I tell you? The time is coming. And in August, September, October, November, December, we're going to see some startling things happening around us, but especially as we go into the first quarter of 2023, we're going to see everything break, everything be destroyed. We're going to see finances destroyed. We will soon in America see our Social Security destroyed. We're going to see pensions end destroyed. Those of you who live on pensions and Social Security, be warned now, you better be preparing because these things are going to end. And what are you going to do to live? We're going to see some horrific things as this third apocalyptic horse gallops across the earth and there is a total reset of finances. I was speaking with a a man yesterday trying to tell him about the times in which we live 
his mind was full of his children going to college and taking care of business. Everything is going to continue as it is forever. If you have eyes to see, even listening to mainstream news, you will know that we are in a very, very severe place financially in America. And you would also know that we are an utterly evil nation with murder and rape and every unclean thing happening. Morality in America has collapsed. I finally said to this man, please let me say this to you very plainly, but kindly. We are at the end. It is over. America is over. Now I know many prophets are speaking and they're saying, oh no, everything's going to get much better and we're going to be very prosperous and Donald Trump is coming back into office and everything's going to be awesome again. Hear the word of the Lord. America, you are under the judgment of Almighty God. And all that you've held dear, all that you've treasured, is about to disappear. And you will face the wrath for your sin and for your contempt of Almighty God. This judgment is the only way God is going to be able to get the attention of the American church. There are many in the American church, if they could actually hear the gospel, the true gospel, they would turn, I believe, and repent. But because their pastors are telling them soothing words, lies, treating the blood of Christ with contempt, they've not been able to hear the word of God. And they have not read their scriptures. I did not come to this by hearing preachers preach. I came to it by listening closely to one man who wrote a book about the sinning Christian, Malcolm Lavender. And then I dove deep into the scriptures and I searched and searched and found that what he was speaking was the truth. So I boldly went to my congregation and I preached the first sermon against the sinning Christian. And immediately lost 25% of the congregation. They didn't want to hear it. They were comfortable in their sin. With sadness, I let them go. And I blessed them as they went. But I'm terrified for them. I want to go to one more scripture. In James, and he, you recall, was the pastor of the Jerusalem church, the New Testament church. He's the pastor. He does not pull his punches like the American church pastors. He's not a pleaser. He's not a humanist. He's a straight-up follower of Jesus Christ. This is what he says to his congregation. 
imagine a pastor of a mega church or even a smaller church standing up and saying this in his sermon. Chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people. Why does he say you adulterous people? Well, the context is he's saying you pray, but you don't get the answer you want because you're going to spend what you've asked for on your own pleasures. He's recognizing that in his church, something has gone very wrong and that people simply want to enjoy the gifts of the Spirit. They want to enjoy the religion. They want to enjoy the idea about Jesus. But they want to build a pleasurable lifestyle. They want to be wealthy. And that is, to Pastor James, straight-up adultery. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. You cannot be a tolerant Christian and be a friend of God. Oh, but pastor, if I speak the truth to them, they'll run. Is that your business? What did the Lord say to Ezekiel? Didn't he say, if you confront someone with their sin and you call them to repent, and they repent, they will be forgiven, they will be saved. But if you confront a religious man who has turned to sin, and he does not turn from his sin, he will be lost. Well, we don't want to confront people with their sin because we're pleasers and we're tolerant and we're filled with this false sentimental love. I want honesty. I want the truth. And the truth is, the blood of Jesus Christ wipes away our sin. We are crucified with Christ. We are made into new creatures. We don't live the old life anymore. We've turned away from it. This is, again, chapter 4 of the book of James, verse 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Friendship with the football team. Friendship with a professional baseball team. Whatever it is of the world, ask it the question, are you going to be in heaven? Will the angels organize a football team, a football league? No, that's of the world. That's of the flesh. That's of the devil. If you choose to be involved in all of those professional sports, and you choose to be involved in all the other things that come from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you have chosen to be a friend of the world, 
you have become an enemy of God. That's what he's saying to his New Testament church. Now, we always hold the New Testament church up as a wonderful example. And in the early years, they were. But then sin came in. And finally, Pastor James says, look, I have to call it as it is. And he begins to confront. He begins to say, stop this. It's wrong. It's sin. And God's wrath will come upon you if you continue in this way. Oh, but pastor, I love this person. How could I dare confront them in their sin? They might break the friendship with me. Oh, you really like the friendship with the world, don't you? Doesn't the word say, come out from among them and touch no unclean thing and I will receive you? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace? That is why the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Grace is what teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Grace is never in scripture a cover for sin. It is always the instruction of the Holy Spirit that we would find a way of escape. Now, he he continues in verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Now, this is the key, isn't it? If you want to stop being contemptuous of God, You're going to have to come to a brand new place where you too see the crucifixion of Jesus. And you begin to see the reality of his resurrection. And you begin to understand that you cannot continue to walk in friendship with wickedness. That you cannot continue to participate in wickedness. That you're going to have to separate yourself from the world. Well, pastor, if I separate myself from the world, how can I win the world? Isn't that the Holy Spirit's job? As we walk in holiness and obey him and speak as he gives us to speak with love and compassion, but straight and honest. Submit yourselves then to God. I could put another word there. Yield yourself to God. Give way to God. Stop pushing your own agenda. Stop pushing your love of religion. Stop pushing the lies that have been coming into our modern American church through Gnosticism. Turn aside from the Gnostic belief. The American church is very Gnostic. What do I mean by that? Well, a tenet of Gnosticism, and there were many different factions of Gnosticism in the New Testament church. In fact, the whole book of 1 John is written to counter the beliefs of the Gnostics. They believe, for example, that you didn't need a Jesus because you were not a sinner except in your outward body. But you were pure as gold inside, so you could dip that gold into a sewer, take it out, and it's still pure gold. It has not been touched. 
So the Gnostic belief is in the sinning Christian. You are saved by the grace of Jesus. When God looks at you, he's going to see the gold of Jesus. He's not going to see your wickedness. That's utter contempt for Jesus Christ. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. This pastor that I told about who overdosed on drugs. He did not resist the devil. And so the devil did not flee from him, but stole his life. And he's hellbound. He says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Do you want God? Someone said to me recently, I'm not as close to God as I used to be. Don't let that be your standard. There is a new place he has for you, not the old place, a new place, where he will minister to your heart. He will take contempt from your spirit. He will make you a friend of God. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's speaking to the church. The New Testament church, he's saying you're double-minded. You want to be a part of the world? You want to be loved by everybody? You don't want to be persecuted? You want to go along to get along? He says, begin to grieve and mourn and wail and change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. This is the word of the Lord. I pray it's been helpful to you today. Lord, we American Christians have been very contemptuous of you, Jesus. We have enjoyed your religion more than we've enjoyed you. And Lord, we have been friends with the world. And we've been very casual about reading your word, about fasting, about prayer. We don't like to mourn. We don't like to come and weep before you. We are so casual and so laid back. When we come together to pray, it's even hard to get people to pray, Lord. Everybody's into their own thoughts and into their own ways. Lord, open our hearts, please. Open our minds to understand, Lord. I want you, Jesus. I want all of you, and I want none of me. And I say, O Lord, I will seek you with all of my heart and all of my spirit, I will fast and pray and read your word. And I will wait upon you, Jesus. I thank you for this time we've shared. Lord, I pray that you were able, by your grace, to redeem someone who's been listening to this word today, that you have convicted their heart and caused them to say, yes, I must go to Jesus and I must get real with him and I must turn away from my sin.
Lord, there are some who are shacked up with women or men that they're not married to. Or they've been cheating or lying. Or they're filled with bitterness and and anger. Lord, I pray you'll confront every person who has listened to this broadcast. And we would come to an end of our contempt. Lord, please come. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, we are coming into the last week of the month of July, and I thank Dirk and others who have been so kind in giving offerings, tithe. But we're still not there. If you'd like to keep us on the air next month, I need to hear from you. Some of you who have given many times I've not heard from this month, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. So I pray today that you will go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you'll give online, or you will write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. Again, our webpage is nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you, my brothers and my sisters. I love you. I hope this has been helpful. I'll talk to you soon.